Y'all know what time it is. We're back. It is NBA preseason pods, 30 teams in more than 30 days. Because let me tell you, last year when I was doing this, my schedule was so much more free. Like I was at home. I had COVID. Somebody said, yo, I can record at 1 a.m. I was in quarantine. I couldn't go nowhere. 1 a.m. it was. Somebody was like, yo, I can only do it in the middle of the day on my lunch break. Quarantine. I ain't have nowhere to go. Let's do it on your lunch break. Man, without COVID, I'm working my real job and the kids are in sports. Scheduling is kicking my ass. And with that said, I'm Rob Shaw, a.k.a. The Pod God, a.k.a. Harry Potter. And I have the homie Mo Cheese here to talk heat for the second preseason in a row. Um, You may know him as the host of the Up in Flames podcast, the VP of the Off the Ball Network. Like, just a young brother doing big things. What up, Mo? What's going on, bro? Hey, I'm glad ha- you, uh, you had me on here. You know, we had a great conversation when you were on Upper Flames last time. People really enjoyed it. So I know it's going to be the same way coming on your show, doing the same thing. Mm. All right. You guys had, like, there was a lot of talk about the heat in the offseason. The NBA coaches, GM's poll just came out. The Heat were voted the team with the biggest offseason. Mm-hmm. I wasn't all the way on board with that until I started doing my research for this pod. So a couple of weeks ago, like I'm like, oh, these are the additions. These are the subtractions. And I start looking at like what came in and what went out. And I start like looking at the rotation. And like I start having a, oh, shit. The Heat kind of looking all right. Like, I knew they were going to be good because it's Miami. And, like, as long as you have Jimmy and Bam, you should be fine. But then I started looking, like, who you have. And I'm just like, oh, I, I'm a sucker for Markeith Moore. Like, the Morris twins, like, I'm a sucker for them. And, like, part of it is. I think everybody needs to have one. Part of it is I love brothers playing basketball. Like, that, that's, like, a thing for me. But, like, the other part of it is. They're like, they're like right under stars. They, they think mm-hmm. they're stars, but like they're clearly a level below it. Like neither of them will ever make an all-star game, I don't think. But like, you can't tell them that. Like those guys play, oh, that's LeBron the matchup? Damn, that is a long night for LeBron. He got to guard me all night? Shit. <laughs> Yo, hang on for one second. Hey, how's it going, John? Um, all right, guys, we're back. Um, let you guys behind the fourth wall. That was my mechanic who called. My car been screaming at me for about a week, so I finally called him. I need new rotors, 375. I feel like that meme where it's like, yo, the second you think you catch up on everything, that's when your car is like, Mm-mm, no, no, no. Time to put a little money into me. Yep. All right. But we were talking about Markeith Morris and just how the Morris twins in general feel like, yo, I'm that guy. And like, I think that'll fit in in Miami, especially because Miami kind of needs a score. And like, that's one thing the Morrises do. Like they're tough and they put the ball in the basket. Yeah. Um, other additions, PJ Tucker 
And I, I normally would not mention this type of player. Like he's on a two-way deal, but this is literally my amount of respect for the heat. Um, Marcus Garrett from Kansas probably won't be a factor this year, but just as a, like just my respect for the heat, that's the kind of guy that they get in the organization in two, three years from now. Uh, Marcus Garrett's playing rotational minutes and everybody's like, well, where did he come from? Um, any of those guys move the needle for you? Obviously, Kyle Lowry was the big signing. What's what's your favorite signing thus far? So on some insight, I wasn't the biggest fan of all the heat moves at first. Like I was like you and I'm a heat fan uh, or the heat moves. I wasn't the biggest fan of them at first. Like I felt like no, it still puts us at third or fourth uh, as the third or fourth best team in the Easter conference, I think is a best case scenario. Our youth, we got rid of a lot of youth. So we paid Jimmy Butler, which is a factor where I'm like, ah, like I think we'll regret some of the moves we made um, in about a year or two. Cause I think the heat are built right now to win now, but like, what do you see that team winning? It, it's kind of my thought process and making some of the moves now, do I think the Heat are going to be a tough out for anybody? Of course. But you went and got Kyle Lowry and gave up a young piece for that for your future. You paid Jimmy Butler off the strength that he's going to continue to play as hard as he can. And we didn't see that from him against Milwaukee last year. We got P.J. Tucker for a year, which I think is perfect. When you talk about Heat culture, like either of the Morris twins – and P.J. Tucker, like, those are guys, like, they fit into the Heat culture. Like, you know their role. You know what it's going to be, and they're going to fit in right away. I'm not worried about P.J. Tucker getting acclimated with playing with the Miami Heat. I'm not worried about uh, Marquise Morris getting acclimated playing with the Miami Heat. I think they fit perfect. But then as I continue to think about it and I continue to look, and I'm like, the Heat probably did have the best offseason. They have the least to figure out with the moves they made. I think when you, when you talk about the Lakers, they got a lot. I mean, they finally brought Melo and LeBron together. They ended up bringing Russell Westbrook in there. Definitely very appealing, but they have a whole new roster. So, like, they have a lot to figure out. Well, you talk about the Miami Heat, and it's like I think Kyle Lowry will fit right in and probably replace Goran Dragic at a little bit higher level than what Goran Dragic was playing coming off the bench. We lose Kendrick Nunn, but like you said, like, Marcus Garrett could end up replacing Kendrick Nunn's production if, you, if the Heat have anything to say with it with their player development. Uh, and then I'll just look at, we paid Duncan Robinson, maybe overpaid, but that's the shooter's price right about now. You'd rather pay him than lose him to some other championship contending team because the, the price for shooters is up. And then Tyler Hero, like that's who I'm looking at. And he's not an addition, but I'm looking at, we finally get Tyler Hero who has a full offseason since he's entered the NBA. And he's mentioned it. He didn't have that. You know, he had, it was COVID when he came in. Uh, then the offseason last year, there wasn't, after his rookie year, there wasn't really an offseason. So I'm looking at all that, and I think I think the Heat are built to, to be a tough out for anybody. My only thing is I could look into this year and say it's great, but what about two to three years from now? And that was my thinking when I didn't love the Miami Heat's moves. Okay, great that you brought up Tyler Hero because I have him in the notes because when we were on your pod, me and you um, took shots at Hero. Uh, we, mm-hmm. And, like, let's call a spade a spade. We said part of his meteoric extension um, – ascension in the bubble was he's a white face that mm-hmm. that matters to the nba um i don't think they want to admit it but like 
I think sometimes in the league office, they're very happy when they can find a marketable white star. And that's what he looked like in the bubble, at least uh, emerging as one. And I was here to take some of that back just because, like you mentioned it, development is not linear. Zach Lowe always says this, like you just because it's year two to year three. Oh, well, in year two, he got 5% better. So in year three, he'll get another 5% better. Like that's not how it works. This isn't 2K. Like you might get 2% like last year, I'd say he got a little bit worse than what he was in the bubble. Mm-hmm. So he might've got 2% worse, but in year three, he might get 8% better because development is not linear. Mm-hmm. And I do, and him getting his first real off season, I think really matters. Like two days ago, they post uh, some in NBA history uh, page posted, Hey, on this day, a year ago, Jimmy Butler had 40, 10, and 10 versus LeBron. That is two seasons ago, but one calendar year ago. Mm-hmm. That's that, that hurt my head. That literally hurt my brain. Like, I was like, wait, one year ago, but like, that's really what it was. It's two NBA seasons ago, but 365 days ago. Yeah. So like that that kind of development, like the offseason is where great players make their bones. Like that's why Michael Jordan put the for the love of the game clause in his contract. Like, yo, I'm allowed to hoop in the offseason because that's how I get better. Mm-hmm. And since that day or since that era, like that's where the players go. And if we know anything about being on the heat and Tyler Hero as a hooper, he's a worker like he's going to get better. So I'm very happy you brought him up. Can we talk about Bam? What's what's your thoughts on Bam? What are you thinking about Bam? I love Bam. Mm -hmm. Bam got to get this work too. Bam got bitched in the playoffs by um, Brooke Lopez. Like we we all off all all season it was. Oh, Bam. Oh, Bam's taking the 15 footer. He's got to take that to be effective. He's got to take that to be effective. They got in the playoffs and Brooke wasn't even giving him the 15 footer. Brooke was giving him like eight footers and he would not shoot them. Like he'd catch it at the foul line and fine. Hey, you catch that in rhythm, shoot it. But even if you're not comfortable with that, like Brooke is so far back into the paint, he could have took for like a person, an average size person, it's probably two dribbles. At 6'10 for Bam, it's probably one dribble to get to six to eight feet and shoot a soft floater or shoot your pull up there. He didn't shoot that. And I thought that that was a major key for the Bucks being able to just dismantle the heat. Like Bam let Brooke Lopez bitch him. And his offensive development is probably the biggest thing for the heat because Kyle Lowry is point guard Jimmy Butler. Like, hey, I score when I need to, but I'm really just elite at everything else. Jimmy Butler, hey, I score when I need to, but I'm really just elite at everything else. Nobody else on this roster looks to me like, I guess, best case scenario, Tyler Hero can turn into a 20-point-per-game score, but I don't necessarily think that's super realistic. Or, right. or a 20-point score that's like 
you think he could get to the Jamal Murray level, Tyler Hero? Like, I think that's like a very high ceiling for him. And I don't think that that's, I don't foresee that this year. I don't think he could get there. Um, it's not a diss on him. I just don't think that's his game. Like, I don't think Tyler Hero is really a create your own shot kind of guy. And that's kind of, that. I, I don't know if that's a diss, but I think he's more of a coming off screens, get open, uh, but you know what he what he did in the bubble kind of but there's a lot of people who outdid themselves in the bubble but now that's what people project I don't think he would be Jamal Murray I think he'd be closer to a Duncan Robinson type but maybe at a higher level than Duncan Robinson that's just my thoughts on Tyler Hero I don't think he's a get your own bucket guy and I agree with you on Bam like we could blame I, I blame it on two people last year on not just losing to Milwaukee because like them winning the championship doesn't make it look as bad but like Everybody was looking forward to this. Might have been, that might that was supposed to be the best series of the first round, like a rematch. We knew it. Milwaukee. We knew Milwaukee was going to be hungry. We knew that. We knew they were going to want the revenge. We knew the Heat were trying not to let them do that. And after the first game, we're like, oh my! Like, no matter what happens, this is what every game in the series is going to look like. Whether it's in five, six, or seven, it's going to be like if Milwaukee's going to win this series, they're going. And then after game one, it never was close. And I blame Jimmy Butler and Bam. Like those are the two. Jimmy Butler looked like he wasn't even interested in winning a game. And Bam, I don't know if it's the effort wasn't there or it was just like mentally they were beat after losing it. I don't know what happened, but to see the same matchup the year prior and the Heat to pretty much dominate Milwaukee, to turn around as a team and get dominated because it, and Milwaukee made what moves? The addition of Drew Holiday? Like, was Drew Holiday the difference? And losing, beating them in five to losing in four and it not even being close except for one game, I don't think so. I put it all on Bam Adebayo and, and Jimmy just not being not, – they, they weren't aggressive. Bam looked like he didn't want no piece of Brooke Lopez, which wasn't the case the year prior. Jimmy Butler was like – like you said, he's a lead at everything else, but he couldn't go get his own bucket. And it seemed like, you know, he was a shell of himself after what we watched in the finals. Uh, obviously he gave it his all. Jimmy never looked right the whole season, even though he was an all NBA player. Like there always looked like he was, something was missing all the last season. But I think Bam has to be the best player for the Heat to have any success, real success. And to say that and put that on a center or power forward, wherever you want to put him, uh, is kind of tough. But I think Bam ultimately for the Heat to really, for this thing to really work, I think Bam has to be the best player on Miami. And it could be questionable whether you think it's Jimmy or Bam, but I think Bam has to be the best player. And if he plays like how he did against Milwaukee, Miami ain't going to be nowhere near as successful as these offseason acquisitions will lead you to believe. All right, you reminded me of two things just now. <clears throat> One, I think the <clears> – damn. <throat> All right, so one, I think the short offseason did not help the Heat or the Lakers. Mm -hmm. Like that – two. 64 days or whatever. I don't even know if it was 64. It might've been like 54 days between the last game of the finals and the start of the NBA season. And that doesn't count preseason and training camp. Right. And then what was the other point? Jesus Christ. I forgot the other point. Oh, and no, nope, it's gone again, but it was that I didn't think they got enough rest. And I think that's why them and the Lakers got bounced early. I just think it was so much basketball in such a short period of time. And my other point I remember is I think the fact that the Bucks won game one 
was such a confidence builder for them. Like, oh, we can beat these guys. And then they were like, oh, we're good. We can beat them. Like, it was almost like slaying the demon. Like, I firmly believe that that is a long series if Miami wins game one. I just think the confidence the Bucs got from winning a, a tough game, that one went into overtime. There were some big shots, if I remember correctly. Uh, Jimmy Butler yep. has a big shot, yep. right? And Chris, yep, him and Chris, and him and Chris Middleton traded big shots. Yeah, yeah, like there was a lot of dick on the table in that game. Like, yo, I'm here, and then like Chris Middleton was like, "That's cool, I'm here too." So, what you want to do? Yeah, yep. And I think that just gave the Bucks the confidence to go out and win the next three. But if they lose that one, I think they're really thinking, "Damn, does this Miami team really have our number? Is this just a matchup we can't handle?" Yeah, I, I, I agree the same thing. Like I said, you know, that game one kind of probably took a lot out of Miami. The whole season took a lot out of Miami, like you said. I mean, we could talk about, you know, the Heat and the Lakers in the short offseason. And I think, you know, they dealt with COVID. They dealt with injuries. Both teams, like players that aren't usually hurt, got hurt. Obviously, you know, we go to Lakers AD, he's always hurt. But, like, Jimmy Butler is usually an injury-prone guy. Dealt with COVID in the beginning of the season. Dealt with an injury in the middle of the season. Came back. Still was playing like an all-NBA player. Uh, because he did make the all NBA team, which I think we could argue that all day. I wasn't, I wouldn't have voted him all NBA, but I could see the argument for him. But that's just me, and I'm a Heat fan. Uh, but I just, it was the short, like you said, the short offseason. None of the guys, and you think about it, some of the younger teams that didn't go to the bubble, and then some of the teams who got knocked out early in the bubble looked great. Look at Phoenix. Like, yes, the addition of Chris Paul was huge, but like, I think all that time for player development was also a big deal. DeAndre Ayton taking that next step. Obviously, Devin Booker being Devin Booker. Mikel Bridge is taking that step. Like, there were a lot of guys, Cam Johnson, there were a lot of guys with Phoenix with all that offseason that took a step that they needed to for that to be a team that we saw go 8-0 in the bubble. So you see that, and then Denver was able, you know, getting knocked out. I think even getting knocked out in the Western Conference Finals was still – it was still like they had a little bit more rest time, but you even seen Denver. You even seen that way on Denver a little bit. So that's kind of my th- – I agree with you on that point is, you know, that short offseason didn't do them any justice. And then you've seen guys like Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero lay it all on the line in the finals. I mean, what was that? After he scored that 40-point 40, 40 game, Jimmy Butler looked like he was about to pass out on the court before he could even make it to the locker room at the end of the game. So – he I think like all that weight on Miami Heat. He looked like flu game Mike, like, yo, yeah. an IV in me. Yeah, it looked – and it looked that bad. And it was like, you know he left it all on the court. And everybody said, like, the next game he may not play that great because he left it, everything he had on the court to try and win that game. So I do think all that weight on the Miami Heat. But they're coming in refreshed, a point to prove, uh, a lot of acquisitions that are going to help production this year. But my only thing with the Miami that I'm afraid of is the whatever they do this year is probably the best they'll do in the next couple of years. Like, I think you have to maximize your opportunity this year because Kyle Lowry's on the wrong side of 35. Jimmy Butler is coming up on 35. I think he's 33, 32, 33, if I'm not mistaken. But everybody's prime isn't LeBron James prime. Like, every you're not getting the best years out of everybody at 33, 34 years old. Uh, and then, bam, obviously – is a max contract player, but if if he's if he doesn't show a vast improvement, like does he start becoming that player that people are talking about is on the trade block? Like does he start? Is he that player that the Miami Heat are entertain, entertaining trades for 
next offseason or we could see like, oh, he didn't make that step and he's a trade candidate by the end of by next year's trade deadline. So I think Bam has a lot to prove, but I think you have to maximize whatever potential the Miami Heat had this year. You have to get the best out of that because I don't see them being any better any other year without an addition of another star player or something than what you'll get from them this year. No, I can, I can definitely see all of that, especially the, they're on a, their windows now. Um, I think they're one of the teams that like, I wouldn't be surprised if Jimmy was shooting Kyrie Irving texts like, yeah, man, I got that vaccine. That shit really fucked me up. I wouldn't get it, bro. Because like no <laughs> Kyrie on the heat, just, I mean, on the nets opens that window a little bit more. Yeah. All right. Precious. Kendrick Nunn and Dragic are the major subtractions. Kendrick Nunn never really moved the needle for me. Like, and he's on the Lakers and I'm sure he'll have a big playoff moment, but he never did much for me. What are the Raptors getting in Precious Achua? It's to say what they're getting is tough because here's the thing. You started seeing the, you started seeing what the heat were getting out of him, a good rebounder, a good defender, was it? And was starting to become a decent score. Like could give me ten to twelve points a game at max, uh, probably by the end of the season. But I look at the Raptors, and I don't think they're well in player development like the Miami Heat. Like I think the Miami Heat get the best out of a player, no matter who it is. Like you said, I mean Kendrick Nunn is a name because he's in Miami. I don't think he goes if he gets drafted or if he signs to any other team as an undrafted uh, free agent rookie. I don't know if Kendrick Nunn is Kendrick Nunn, but obviously we know that he make the most out of nothing. Uh, so with Precious, though, I think the Raptors are getting a guy that he has that Miami Heat mentality. He knows how to work hard. He knows what it's going to take to be a winning a winning team. And I think he's a, he's a guy who, at least in Miami, he wants to be great. Every player can't be great. No matter how much you want to, you can't be. But he wants to be great, which therefore means, like, he's probably going to be a piece with that young core of, Van Vliet, Gary Trent, Pascal Siakam, he's probably going to be a Raptor for a long while. For the simple fact, how I saw how his development from when he first stepped on the court in summer league or in the preseason for the Miami Heat all the way up until the end of the season with the last uh, playoffs in, in Milwaukee, I think Precious is going to be a really good player, and I think that's what Toronto's getting. And Precious is just a really good player who wants to be great, so the work ethic will always be there. All right, I just have to quickly disagree with you. I think I think the Raptors are – I'd actually probably put them as number one in player development. Like, I just think they – Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Fleet, uh, the whole Raptors 905. Uh, what's the one guy's name? Uh, Chris Boucher. I just think they do a really – I think Miami is right there along with them. But I do think if you have young talent, like, I think he's landed in two great places to develop. Mm -hmm. um, can you give me your favorite Dragic story? Man, man, man. I, see, I am. I love Dragic. Like, I love Dragic. I've loved him since Phoenix and everywhere else he's played. But, uh, dang, I forget. It was a regular season game two years ago. We were down 15. Dragic wasn't expected to play. He dressed, but he wasn't expected to play. Kendrick Nunn was playing horrible. Who were we playing? I want to. I think we were playing Detroit. If I'm not mistaken, we were playing Detroit. Dragic wasn't expected to play. 
I think he had the flu. This was this was before COVID. This was everything before COVID. So having the flu was not going to stop you from playing for having the, next the flu two was weeks. just having the flu. Yeah, having the flu was having the flu. You weren't out for the next two weeks. And he comes in at midway through the second quarter, scores 10 points, goes into halftime with 10 points. So I'm like, okay, this is why I love Dragic. The offense runs smooth. And then he has like a 25 point second half, finishes with over 30. And I'm like, this is why you love Dragic. Not because he can't score 30 when he wants to. I don't think he's that kind of guy, but it's when you need him the most, he always shows up. And I feel like that game just says everything of why I love about Dragic. The offense runs smoother when Dragic will come off the bench. And when you need him the most, that's that's when he shows up. That's my biggest thing about Dragic. When you need him the most, he shows up. And what, what you might need for him to show up might be, I need 12 points off the bench, five, six assists, and I need 12 points off the bench, five, six assists, and I need uh, – just I need you to control the offense or, hey, I need 20 today. I need 25. So it was like for him to do that, if I'm honest, it was like two years ago. But for him to have done that was like that's that's Goran Dragic all the way. All right. And so a big thing for me, <clears throat> if Bam is going to – like we want Bam to take that leap offensively mm-hmm. because there's not a ton of proven – Proven is not the right word because Jimmy is a proven NBA scorer, but there's not a wing guy that's wired to score 20 on this roster, but there is. Yeah. Victor Oladipo, like his health, if Victor Oladipo could get back to, I don't know if he'll ever be the dude he was in Indiana two or three, how many seasons ago? I think it's three seasons ago now, but if he can get to 80% of that, that's really your wing guy that wants to be a bucket and has the proper skill set for it. So where does he fit in on this team? Uh, I think healthy, he's the sixth man. Uh, you don't want him to start because, like you said, he is the guy who, prior to dealing with all his injuries, he just – his role will be to get a bucket. That, mm-hmm. that would be his role. And that's typically a six-man's role, and I'm, I never – if anybody took that as a slight towards Oladipo of him being a six-man at best on this Miami Heat roster, I just think that will be where you will get the most out of him um, because I think it'll be Lowry, Jimmy, uh, Duncan Robinson, P.J. Tucker, and Bam will probably be your starting five with Tyler Hero and Victor Oladipo coming off the bench. That's how I would have it if I wanted the most effective uh, rotation in Miami and, and Morris. Or I would put I would bring uh, Markeith as a starter and put P.J. Tucker on the bench. Um, but I look at Victor Oladipo, health is the biggest thing, like you said. But him being a six-man, playing that role, playing that Lou Will role, come in, give us a bucket. If you could average any given night, 15 to 16, and could get, give us that occasional 25 to 30, I think that would be the key to the Heat really being deadly and ultimately competing with Milwaukee or Brooklyn in a seven-game series. I think like Victor Oladipo is a bigger key to the Heat having the ultimate success than most people think because if he is healthy – we know what he could do when he does go in there and get buckets. And because he has a lot of defenders around him, he has distributors around him, all he has to focus on is getting a bucket. I think you'd get the most out of Victor Oladipo. So I think him playing that six-man role, just coming off the bench, giving us quality 25 to 30 minutes off the bench, just getting buckets, I think would be the best way you could get out of Victor Oladipo if he stays healthy. And obviously health is the biggest question around Oladipo. So the Heat are one of those teams, and you've I think you've alluded to this too a couple times. 
in the regular season, like the Heat or the Heat. That I don't want that as my playoff matchup. There's too many. Like it's that's a, Spo is too good. Jimmy might turn it on for a series. The mm-hmm. that team scares me. Like legitimately, like as a playoff team, they scare me. But what are your real expectations for them? What is what would make you walk away or at the the last heat game of the season? What would make you get on up in flames and be like, yo, we did that this year. This was a very successful season for Miami. What needs to happen? It's all about matchups would be how to me. It's all about matchups or how you be weighing success on Miami. So obviously winning the first round is that that's a must like getting to the playoffs is not enough. Uh, being two seasons removed from making the NBA finals and then getting mopped the way you did against Milwaukee, you should be hungry. So, but being in the second round is if you get Brooklyn or you get Milwaukee, I need a six or seven game series. If we're going to go down, like if we're going to lose and not make it to the Eastern conference championship and I feel good about the season, six or seven games and every game got to go down with, we could have finished with a knockout punch. Um, so I would say the ultimate success were like, hey, we did that would we'll be going to the Easter Conference Finals. Like, I, I don't see the Heat being a finals team only because, I mean, the possibility of saying that I see them getting through possibly Milwaukee and Brooklyn to reach the finals. Like, that might be the road you have to get through to, go, to reach the finals. That's tough. That's tough for anybody. I mean, you would say it's tough for Milwaukee to have to beat Brooklyn and, and Miami. So, like, to, to say in Brooklyn also as well, you would say, like, man, they could get there, but it'd be tough to have to play Miami and Milwaukee uh, as two teams in playoff series to ultimately get to the NBA finals. So I would say an Easter conference finals appearance and go down with a dog fight would be like the ultimate success for the Miami Heat. And I'm happy with, with how they went. Or if they did lose in the second round, I'm only accepting L's to Milwaukee or Brooklyn just because those are the teams I feel are definitively better. And outside of that, like – it would almost be a failure if we get any other matchup. And there's no diss to other teams. Like Atlanta will be tough, but I think Miami is a better team. Uh, New York will be tough, but I think Miami is the better team. Like I, I can't accept losses to Atlanta or, or uh, New York. But if, if we do lose in the second round and it's to Milwaukee or Brooklyn, we go down with a fight, then I'm okay. I, I could take that as a successful season. Which team would you rather match up with, the Bucks or the Nets? The Bucks. I would lean I, that I, way too if I was uh, Miami. Yeah, and it's not. I know we match up well with the Bucks. You you could say, well, last year you guys don't match up anymore, but I think with the additions that we have, we definitely match up better with the Bucks. And I don't think we have to go. We don't have to play that bucket for bucket game with Milwaukee. Yeah, Giannis could get his dominating the paint, but I think we still have the right part. We have the perfect personnel to build a wall against Giannis if he doesn't improve his jump shooting. Uh, I think Drew Holiday and Kyle Lowry kind of cancel each other out. Um, I think Jimmy and Chris kind of cancel each other out. And the supporting cast, they're semi the same. We might even have the advantage of the supporting cast, especially having Victor Oladipo. Uh, But I'd rather have Milwaukee just because I think with Brooklyn, if, if if we can't impose our will defensively, we can't go bucket for bucket with Brooklyn. Like, that's just, we can't go bucket for bucket with Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant. So I I would rather play Milwaukee. All right. I won't steal much of your time. Where can they find the Up in uh, Flames podcast? Yeah, so you can check me out on uh, 
Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google. And then you can also go on uh, YouTube at Mo Up in Flames. And you can also find me uh, pretty much everywhere else, Mo underscore Cheese 15 on Twitter and Instagram and Up in Flames Pod on Twitter and Instagram as well. And you guys got anything fun cooking at the Off the Ball Network? Uh, nothing major. We have, you know, see you Sunday every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern, getting you ready for all the Sunday matchups and the following Thursday matchup for the NFL. Uh, we have overreaction Monday every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, and we just, you know, pretty much a typical overreaction Monday, talk about NFL Sunday. And uh, we have bets on bets on bets every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Eastern where everybody can listen to what the betting lines are and, and take advice from our guys that are up this year uh, and we can win you some money off of my bookie. Um, where can they find all those? Those are on YouTube. Uh, where are you streaming those? We stream all of those on the Off The Ball Network Twitter and Facebook page. Okay. So if you go on at OTB underscore network on Twitter and then just Off The Ball Network on Facebook, those stream on both of those platforms every See you Sundays every Saturday, 11 a.m. Eastern. Bets on Bets on Bets is 10.30 a.m. Eastern uh, every Sunday. And then overreaction Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Mo Cheese of the Up and Flame podcast, as well as the VP of the Off the Ball Network. That's the homie. Make sure you give him a follow. Check out his pods and all the shows he just plugged. This has been the Shaw's Law podcast. And like that, we out.